Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our thank you gift when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 8 through 13, called When the Perfect Comes. Let's pick it up at verse 4 just to remind you of these incredible descriptions of love. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and it is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it does not seek its own. It is not provoked or easily provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is where we're starting this morning. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, that's our title for this morning, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, verse 11, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love, if you look at the first part of verse 8, never fails. You know, we live in a culture that is asking big questions about love. I know the church is asking questions about love. How do we live out this love in a broken world, in an often divided church, in marriages that fail, and abandonment, and all these things? I mentioned at the beginning as, uh, with some opening comments that I can hear your hearts because I hear mine. It sounds good. Love does until you try it. I'm imperfect. How can I practice and experience this kind of love? The world is asking. Stephen Um, who's written a great commentary on 1 Corinthians, is quoting Elaine de, de Bottom, but to, however you say his name, <laughs> a thought-provoking philosopher of the atheist stripe. He has a remarkable reflection of love, I'm quoting, from an atheist. Passing an unfortunate wo- woman in the street one day, my girlfriend asked me, would you have loved me if I had an enormous birthmark on my face like she does? The yearning is that the answer be yes, an answer that would place love above the mundane surfaces of the body, or more particularly, its cruel, unchangeable ones, i.e., I will love you not just for your wit, your talent, your beauty, but simply because you are you, with no strings attached, I love you for who you are deep in your soul, not for the color of your eyes, the length of your legs, or the size of your checkbook. Now I'm quoting a man who's asking questions about love, a non-Christian. The longing is that the lover admire us stripped of our external assets, appreciating the essence of our being without accomplishment. Even if we are beautiful and rich, then we do not wish to be loved on account of these things. For they may fail us, and with them love. The desire is that I be loved even if I lose everything. 
leaving nothing but me, this mysterious me taken to be the self at its weakest, most vulnerable point. Do you love me enough that I may be weak with you? Everyone loves strength, but do you love me for my weakness? Now that's a reflection of a philosopher who's an atheist asking the kind of questions that we've been asking about love. And here's the essence of what he said. He said, will love last if I am no longer able to do the things that please you or the things that you initially found attractive or the things that, you know, make life work pragmatically every day? True love is the ultimate foretaste of the future of the church. Love will go on. But the question that you may be asking this morning, and I know the world is asking, is, that, is this, will love fail me? So many of us who are here this morning are the victims of broken love, broken households, divorces, abandonment, you name it. Two centuries ago, Jonathan Edwards probed the question as to what makes the church like heaven. His answer, it is love. The church's manifestation in time of the glories that are yet to come is not accomplished in the gift of tongues, nor in prophecy, giving, teaching. It is accomplished in love. The greatest evidence, says Edwards, that heaven has invaded our sphere, that the Spirit has been poured out on us, that we are citizens of a kingdom not yet consummated, is Christian love, close quote. Jesus said they will know that you belong to me because of your love one for another. At the end of each week, I wonder how many of us actually assess our Christian walk based upon how well we loved. I wonder if that's even on our radar. Lord, how well did I love? I wonder how many of us wake up and pray, Lord, just clothe me with your love today. That's enough. Everything else will follow. And I even asked the question of myself as I pondered some of these principles once again, is how often do I pray for others that they'll be filled with God's love? How much of the time do I make it about myself? Lord, would you do this for me? Lord, I want to manifest this fruit. That's good. But are we praying that the love of the church would abound? The love of the church in Corona would make such an impact on the unbelieving community that we would actually experience an awakening and a revival. That's what we've been praying for. But Jesus prayed for the church that we would be the answer to that prayer, that we would be unified, that we would be one. We are the answer to those dilemmas, the way we live, how we treat our spouse. The more you experience this broken world, the more you long for the perfect to come. Amen? Nothing here is perfect. And certainly we would have to admit, especially as we've studied 1 Corinthians 13, reading from my notes, that even our love often fails. It's imperfect. The only perfect love is God's. But when Christ's love glows through his church, the world and the church get a taste of what is to come. I'm going to ask you, are you hungry for it? Would you like to experience it and even give it away? It's going to drive you and me often to the foot of the cross. The right use of gifts will help others see and experience Jesus' love. The problem in the Corinthian church is that they elevated the gifts above love and they were losing their witness in the city. 
Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel or a peck measure or a basket. But they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, Matthew 5, 16, that they may see your what? Your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. See, light and love are really two things that go together. The way that the world's going to see the light of the church is through our love. Now, we've defined love in a broader context. It's not always just telling everybody what they want to hear. But love, nonetheless, is these characteristics that we've been reading about. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, Ephesians 5, 8. Walk as children of light. Walk out love. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. Donald Gray Barnhouse says these words. When Christ was in the world, he was like the shining sun. When the sun sets, the moon comes up. The moon is a picture of believers, the church. The church shines, but not with its own light. It shines with reflected light. At times, the church has been a full moon dazzling the world with an almost daytime light. Those were times of great enlightenment, for example, in the days of Paul and Luther and Wesley. At other times, the church has only been a thumbnail moon, and in those days, very little light shone on the earth. But whether the church is full or a thumbnail moon, whether waxing or waning, it reflects the light of Christ. Our light does not originate with us, close quote. And, you know, we, we look at our culture right now, and some of us have described the culture as a dark time. Confusion and chaos. Angry people. Violence. Um, division. Hate. What can quell these things? The only thing I think that's going to win the day is true love. And I think it's very timely that we've been in this section. We are called to carry the torch of love in this generation. How can we shine more brightly? That's the question. You gotta stay in the light. If your love has been waning, it's, because, it's probably because your walk has been waning. You might wanna write that down. If your love has been waning, it's probably because your walk is waning. Listen to this story. A man returning from a journey brought his wife a matchbox that would glow in the dark. After giving it to her husband, she turned out the light, but the matchbox could not be seen. Both thought they had been cheated. Then the wife noticed some French words on the box and asked a friend to translate them. The inscription said, If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. And that's the truth of love. That's the truth of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. The more time you bask in the light of God, the more you will radiate with the light. The more you will shine in this world that is desperate to see love. The world is wondering if the cross is legit and they're looking at us. Heard a story of a young soldier who was fighting in Italy during World War II. He jumped into a foxhole just ahead of some bullets. He immediately tried to deepen the hole for more protection and cover, frantically scraping at the dirt with his hands. He unearthed something metal and brought it up, and it was a silver cross left by a former resident of that foxhole. A moment later, another leaping fig figure landed beside him as shells screamed overhead. When the soldier got a chance to look, he saw his new companion was an army chaplain. Oh, what luck! 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And in those days, very little light shone on the earth. But whether the church is full or a thumbnail moon, whether waxing or waning, it reflects the light of Christ. Our light does not originate with us, close quote. And, you know, we, we look at our culture right now, and some of us have described the culture as a dark time. Confusion and chaos. Angry people. Violence. Um, division. Hate. What can quell these things? The only thing I think that's going to win the day is true love. And I think it's very timely that we've been in this section. We are called to carry the torch of love in this generation. How can we shine more brightly? That's the question. You gotta stay in the light. If your love has been waning, it's, because, it's probably because your walk has been waning. You might wanna write that down. If your love has been waning, it's probably because your walk is waning. Listen to this story. A man returning from a journey brought his wife a matchbox that would glow in the dark. After giving it to her husband, she turned out the light, but the matchbox could not be seen. Both thought they had been cheated. Then the wife noticed some French words on the box and asked a friend to translate them. The inscription said, If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. And that's the truth of love. That's the truth of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. The more time you bask in the light of God, the more you will radiate with the light. The more you will shine in this world that is desperate to see love. The world is wondering if the cross is legit and they're looking at us. Heard a story of a young soldier who was fighting in Italy during World War II. He jumped into a foxhole just ahead of some bullets. He immediately tried to deepen the hole for more protection and cover, frantically scraping at the dirt with his hands. He unearthed something metal and brought it up, and it was a silver cross left by a former resident of that foxhole. A moment later, another leaping figure landed beside him as shells screamed overhead. When the soldier got a chance to look, he saw his new companion was an army chaplain. Oh, what luck. Holding out the cross to the chaplain, the soldier gasped, I'm glad to see you, chaplain. How do you work this thing? (laughs) You guys have heard, there's no atheists in foxholes when the bullets are screaming over your head. But for a lot of people, the bullets are not material. They're, They're hurts and hits that they've taken. Some people have had a bad experience with feeling like they did not experience the love of Christ through the church. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. If you have an ESV in verse 8, beginning, love never ends. 
The New Living Translation says love will last forever. The one commentary translates love never falls. And I think it's good and solid to say love never fails. I fail, but love never fails. See the word never? It's not at any time. It is never, not at all, no, not ever. Love never fails. The word fails is from a Greek word that has the basic meaning of falling, especially the idea of a final falling. It was used of a flower or a leaf that falls to the ground, withers, and decays. Never refers to time, not to frequency. The idea is that no, at no time will divine love ever fall, wither, or decay. By nature, it is permanent because it is the nature of God, and therefore it will not be abolished. I was up here as we were doing some worship and I had a couple of scriptures that I think are for a few people out here that relate to this. And I want you to go to Deuteronomy 31 for a second. Love never fails. And I want to show you a few verses. Deuteronomy 31. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1 because I want to show you this idea of love never failing and how it relates to God's call and his abiding presence in our lives. This is Deuteronomy 31. This is Moses addressing Israel. He says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. 31.6 of Deuteronomy. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not, what's your Bible say? Fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now keep on turning to your right. You're going to get to Joshua 1 just in a few pages. Now, you all know that Joshua took the mantle from Moses to lead the people into the promised land. And he's being reassured by God that as God was with Moses, he will be with Joshua, the new leader. Big sandals to fill, to say the least. Joshua 1.5 says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Love, God, never fails. Be strong and courageous as a result of my presence, if you will, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I will not fail you or forsake you. This is echoed in Hebrews 13. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 13. But Hebrews 13, I'll just read it for you. You can note it. You've probably heard it before. It says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Another way to say that is I will never fail you or forsake you so that we may confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? When all other loves fail you, think of Moses. How many times did the whining Israelites tax the man? How many times... Maybe not recorded in Scripture, but we know of a few. Did Moses have to go to God and say, Oh, Lord, they want to kill me. <laughs> right? They're, they're scheduling caravans back to Egypt, the place of slavery. 
Why did you give me these whiners? Anybody? Anybody ever prayed that before? Why, Lord? <laughs> Nobody wanted to raise their hand because they might be sitting next to the person they prayed about. But anyway, we won't go there. Right? Why, Lord? And the reassurance is, look, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you. People may abandon you. Situations may get difficult. But I'm not going anywhere. My love never fails. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Can I remind you of Romans 8, 31 through 39? You remember that? Not height, not depth, not angels, not principalities. Life, death, nothing will ever separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Did you hear that? Nothing. Nothing's going to separate you. He's not going to give up on you. That's the kind of love that gives me confidence. Amen? That's the kind of love that maybe many of us have never known before. That's the love of God. His love will never fall. It's synonymous with being abolished. It will never cease. It's also synonymous with love abiding. Now abide, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Love will never cease to exist even in heaven because heaven is where God is. Love will never die. God's character, says Gordon Fee, after all, cannot fluctuate from what it is. He is love. Psalm 136, 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. How many times does the psalmist repeat that in Psalm 136? Some of us remember singing songs in church where the preacher would say the middle part, and then we would say, His love endures forever. How many of you back in the 90s? No? Nobody? A few of you? Thank you. But by contrast, if there are gifts of prophecy, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, they will be done away. Now, love's going to remain, but gifts of prophecy have a shelf life. If there are tongues, they will cease. Love won't cease, but tongues will. If there is knowledge, here is the gift of word of knowledge. These are all gifts that were mentioned in chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. So note, you have to see these as gifts now. And that's what Paul begins with. Gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. The gift of tongues will cease. If there is knowledge, that's the word of knowledge, a spiritual gift, it will be done away. Paul contrasts love with temporal spiritual gifts. The permanence of love with the temporal nature of spiritual gifts. The Corinthians were saying something like this. Hey, when you practice the gift of tongues, maybe you even have the, gift, the tongues of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And that's got to be as close as you could get to the halls of heaven, this side of heaven. Paul says, no, it's not. The gift of tongues is not the closest that you could get to heaven on earth. The gift of prophecy is not the closest that you could get. The gift of a word of knowledge, boy, the Lord spoke to me and it was right on the money, is not the closest that you could get to heaven. Those will perish one day. You know, the closest that you could get to heaven on earth is when you love with God's love. How you doing? The Corinthians had elevated the spiritual gifts and they said, hey, if you don't have this gift, well, you're, you're a second-class citizen, a second-class Christian. Oh, you don't have this gift? And Paul says, look, if you have those gifts but you don't love, you're nothing. You've lost your witness in the community and the church. Sometimes we are measuring by the wrong measuring sticks. 
You see, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving in your life is love. These gifts serve a purpose. But if anything, may I submit to you, and this is a thought I had this week, that when the gifts are in operation, should they not point people more to Jesus? If, if the gifts in operation are pushing people away from the love of Christ, causing division in the body, pray tell, how could they really accomplish the edifying or the building up of the body, which is what the gifts are supposed to be? So Paul says, look, they have to be energized by love. Love has to be their goal. If they if you exercise the gift of tongues, if you exercise prophecy, if you exercise word of knowledge, then it should be showing the love of God, even if the word could be difficult, even if it's corrective, which this whole section I mentioned to you is. For the Corinthians, this is where they were failing. You're listening to When the Perfect Comes, part one on Walk in Truth. Hey, Walk in Truth is on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Google Music, Spotify, and many more. Please follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Also, we are a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate the help of listeners like you, not only to broadcast on radio and podcast, but also to do the free events we have for the community. Click the Donate button on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Again, click the Donate button on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Thank you. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about when the perfect comes. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.